Today's Godcast was given live during the 2021 Northern Ohio Youth Camp as a part of a special devotion series, Unmovable, We Will Not Be Shaken. At the NOYC, we desire for youth and adults alike to live a life that is unmovable and always abounding through Jesus Christ. Find more Christian content and special series by visiting our website at www.thenoyc.com or check out our social media pages. Today we're going to take a look at the unmovable message. The unmovable message. Look with me at Romans chapter 1. Very familiar verse. Everybody knows this. A lot of people know this anyways. Romans 1 verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is... Hey, I said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So for what reason does does Paul say he's not ashamed? Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Why are you not ashamed, Paul? Well, he tells us the reason I'm not ashamed is because of the might of the message, the might of the message. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed of the gospel. Because the gospel is. He says it is. Not it was. Not it will be. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Present tense. So what exactly is the gospel? Of, what is this gospel that, that is? Well, Paul tells us. This gospel that he's not ashamed of that is, it is God's power to save us. Ooh. The gospel is God's power to save us. Some of you maybe are new to church. Maybe some of you don't go to church. We're so glad to have you. Maybe some of you have been in a church your entire life. Listen, the gospel's not complex. You don't need a theological degree. You don't, listen, the gospel's simple. What is the gospel? Someone walks up to you at Walmart and says, what's the gospel? Well, let me tell you what the gospel is. It is God's power to save. Nutshell, gospel, save. That's what it is. It's his, it's his power to save us. We're going to cover a lot of important truth this week. We're going to talk about a lot of important things. But there's one thing you got to get, guys, before you go back home. There's one thing that you have to understand and you have to grasp in your lives, and that is what the gospel is. The gospel's not complicated. It is his ability to save us. Listen, this is the quick gospel. The wage of sin is death, and because you have sinned, you must die. And yet, as your cross was being put up, as you were getting ready to be executed because you've sinned, Jesus says, I can do something. Jesus says, I can save you. And so he says, I'll take your place. I'll take your cross. Put me on the cross where they belong because I'm sinless. I can do something here. I can save them. Put me on their cross. And so he's put on our cross. He's executed though he was sinless in our place. And yet though Jesus died, do you know I still sin though I'm a Christian? So did he die in vain? No. Again, Jesus dies and he says, I can do something. Jesus says, I can step in here. Jesus says, I'm sinless. I have a perfect life. I will now put my perfect life into you. And so he saves us again. Jesus saves and saves and keeps on saving. And because of the gospel, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, if you have been saved, if you have believed in him, 
then you are a Christian and you are saved. Amen? Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you have been saved from due damnation. You have been saved from the sentence of sin, saved from the rightful wrath of God. You've been saved. Past tense. Saved. Saved. Say saved. Come on, you want to say it. Saved. You will remember one word before you leave here. I wish it was the gospel, but now you're going to remember saved. You have been saved. Past tense. Jesus died on the cross. What did he say? It is finished, done, past tense. So you've been saved if you have believed on Jesus. And this is good news, right? Is it good to be saved this morning, evening, night, and day, and whatever time it is? It's good to be saved. Yet what I want to challenge us with is this lesson today, folks. Not what the gospel did, but what the gospel does. And in Romans 1, Paul writes that the gospel is God's power to save. It's his power unto salvation. So if you look back at that, I think I've got it on here. If we look at this verse again, Paul writes the word unto, unto salvation. This word literally means the idea of a place that is entered into by going, coming, living, or an opening in which an object can be hidden. So the gospel is God's power, his ability to place you somewhere safe. Well, Paul says, God has the power to place us inside of salvation. The word salvation here is actually a noun. It's not a verb. It's a noun. It is a person, a place, or a thing. And this word salvation means deliverance, preservation, and safety. So if we put these words together, if we, if we read what Paul wrote here in Romans 1.16, this is what we find. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to make us enter into, live, and be hidden in safety. Some of you are not nearly as excited enough. God has the power to put you in safety. Listen, God has the power to put you somewhere safe. That should excite you. He can put you somewhere safe. The problem is this. One of my wife's favorite kind of movies. She's, is she in here? She's not. One of my wife's favorite kind of movies, she has a twisted mind. She married me after all. <laughs> my wife, thank you, Mike. Uh, no candy for you. Now. My wife's favorite kind of movie is apocalyptic, doomsday, end-of-the-world films. Favorite, I mean, she is, they're awful. Most of them are so cheesy, so horrendously awful, and yet she has, we have watched countless hundreds of end-of-the-world, doomsday, any fans out there, any fans? <laughs> Some more twisted folks, amen, thank you. She loves it. But I want you to imagine for a minute that we just got word, you know, we just got, the sirens start going off, and we were just told that the world was coming to an end. Whether it was a pot, you know, whether the, the asteroids were coming, the sky was going to fall, whatever it was, we are told that we are facing all but certain destruction and everything is going to be destroyed. How's your Monday going? <laughs> that would be bad news, amen? Would, would, that, would that be bad news? Yes, this, bobbling heads, yes, yes. Bad news, doom, bad news. Yes, it is, bad news. And so, 
So we get the news that something is going to happen. The sky is going to fall. Asteroids will destroy the Earth in any second. And so we're, we're a little stressed, right? The world's going to end. We're a little stressed, a little stressful. And yet as you're freaking out, someone comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder and goes, psst. Do you want to be saved? And so you say, oh, yeah. Maybe some of you are much more polite than, yes, dear sir, I would love to be saved at this time, please, your acquaintance. Yes, I want to be saved. Yes, the answer is yes. And so they say, I have a bunker. I have a bunker, and it is made of concrete that is 10 million miles thick. It is bomb-proof. It is radiation-proof. It is flood-proof. It is asteroid-proof. It is impenetrable. It cannot be touched. And if you really want to be saved from impending destruction, all you have to do is get inside of salvation. Would you say that's good news? Would you say that when you think the sky is about to fall, that is good news that you just heard? Amen. There's safety. And so what would the obvious action be? Get inside. Get inside. Get everyone you can inside. Because as long as you're inside the bunker, you're safe. As long as you're inside, you are safe. Listen, guys. No matter what you've been told or heard or thought or read or believed, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian means you have entered into Christ and you are safe and you are saved, and you're going to be saved. Look at this. This blows my mind. 164 times the Bible tells us that we are in Christ if we are saved. We enter into this fortress. We enter into this impenetrable fortress that can't be touched, and from within Christ, we face the judgment of God and his wrath. And when God looks down on us, if we've believed in his son— he will not see Josh standing on stage. He sees the fortress. He sees the bunker. And he pours out his wrath there. And guess who's safe from the wrath? Me. I've been saved, and I'm safe. So we enter into the bunker, and we're secure. And although this is terrific news, many of us trust the might of the message, but a lot of times we fail to we mistrust the message. So I want you to imagine you're seated safely, all snug as a bug in a rug inside the fortress. Sky's about to fall, but you are inside. You are not afraid because you're inside the fortress. You're inside the bunker. You have complete confidence, complete assurance and safety inside. Maybe you're down there playing hopscotch, right? Down there eating ice cream. You're just, you, you have nothing to worry about. You're inside this fortress. Yet, as you sit there inside, you hear this. That was a bad throw. And you hear this pecking. And it starts to annoy you a little bit. You're all snug and bug and playing hopscotch and ice cream. You're all safe inside. And it starts to annoy you. And so eventually you ask, what in the world is going on outside of safety? What is going on outside of this fortress? 
and someone replies to you, oh, that. That's just a kid throwing pebbles at the side of the fortress. Now, here you are inside a fortress, inside an impenetrable refuge, safe from destruction, safe from impending doom, and yet you begin to worry about pebbles being pelted by a peewee. You start to panic. You get, a, you get anxious. You start eating all the tubs of ice cream faster, right? You're pacing back and forth. You're fretting. You're fearing. What if one of the stones get me? What if one of the pebbles do me in for good? What am I going to do? You've trusted the fortress fully to make you saved from destruction, and yet you lack trust that it can keep you safe here and now for whatever comes your way. Listen, this is our downfall. Church, look up here. If you know Jesus as your Savior, this is your downfall. This is the problem with our faith. We trust him to make us saved, but we do not trust him to keep us safe. That fortress is good both ways. That fortress is enough for the pebbles just as much as the damnation that God will rain upon us if we are sinners. He keeps us safe and saved. What does a pebble of COVID do to me? I said it again. What does a pebble of the economy do to me? What is a pebble of my friends betraying me? What does that matter? I am safe and saved. I'm in the fortress. What do I care what happens outside of there? I am safe. I have full faith in him. And this is where Paul writes about the gospel of Christ. The power, the ability, the savability of God. That's the power of the gospel. Do you know what the word Jesus means? This is what Jesus means. Literally, this is the definition of the name Jesus. The I am saves. The I am saves. That's his name. So you met, you know me. I'm Josh, right? Hi, I'm Josh. Jesus walks up and says, hi, I am saves. Hi, I save you. That's my name. Not Adam, not Brenda, not Barb, not Tessie. My name is Jesus. I save you. That's who I am. Well, who are you placing your trust in? Not a, Nazareth, not a guy from Nazareth, not a guy, not a guy who can walk on water. I'm placing my trust in a place that I've entered into, and that place's name is I save you. I am saves. That's his name. That, that's literally his name. I am saves. Present tense, past tense, future tense. I am saves. And this is where you place your trust when you trust in Jesus. Not that I am saved, not that I'm going to be saved someday, but that I am saves. Listen, Jesus is not only our Savior. Listen, he is our Saver. Not just the Savior, the Saver. He saves us. We're safe, secure, and hidden within him. And this is exactly what we find Jesus having a problem with with the disciples, right? We, we read of Jesus and he loved them rather disappointed at times, right? The disciples were fearful followers. These men left behind their house and their homes and their families and their fortunes, and they followed Jesus because they thought he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the Savior. 
And yet in Matthew 8, 22 through 26, a story most all of you know, we find that these men are trusting Jesus as their Savior, but not their Saver. Read with me. Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Listen, they call him Lord. Now, this is different, because there are times that they call him Master, There are times they call him rabbi. There are times they call him the Christ, the Messiah. But here they call him Lord. It's the word kairos. It means God. They trusted him enough to be God, enough to have their back eternally, but not immediately. They trusted him to keep them safe from eternity, but not the waves instantly. They rested safely inside the bunker, the fortress of Christ, when doomsday comes, but they feared the pebbles being pelted at their boat that day. Listen, was Jesus aware there was a storm going on? Did, did he forget to hit, the, did he hit the snooze button one too many times? He forgot to, oops, storm's going to kill him right here. I'm just going to sleep right there. Jesus knew about the waves. He knew about the storm. He was aware and awake. There's no way he would have missed this. And we look at the story and we're like, come on, guys, you're in the boat with I am saves. That's who's in your boat. The saver, the fortress, the place of safety is in your boat. Come on, get yourselves together. God is right there with you. Of course, nothing's going to harm you. He saves. You're in the bunker for crying out loud. And yet, what's the first thing we do when we have a problem our own? What's the first thing we do when we hit a storm, when we hit the waves? First thing we do, Lord, save us. We perish. Lord, save us. I said a lot of Lord, save us. We perish. Am I telling the truth this morning? Lord, save us. Lord, I'm trusting you that I'm saved. I'm trusting you eternally, but you're going to drop the ball immediately. And just like the disciples, what does Jesus say back to us? Why is your faith so tiny? Why is your faith so pathetically small? Why do you have minuscule faith in me, the fortress, the impenetrable refuge that can't be touched? Why is your faith so small in me? Why are you fearful? Listen, guys, I love you. You're going to hear me yell lots of things this week, but I do love you. I promise I love you. I would not do this if I did not love you. Listen, some of you guys can tell me every stat of the NBA and the PGA and the NFL and the MLB. Some of you can tell me every car Chevy's ever made. Some of you can tell me everything that a video, I don't know nothing about video games, but you can tell me everything about video games. Some of you can tell me every song that's ever sang on The Voice and American Idol. Listen, but you don't know the gospel and it shows. Listen, I love you. You need to know the gospel more than anything else in your life. Because only the gospel will keep you safe. Only the gospel will save and safe you. You need to know the gospel in your life. We're clueless. We're clueless of the gospel and it shows. We're on a sinking ship at sea crying out, Lord, do something. All the while he's saying, I have. I've placed you in the fortress. I've placed you in the bunker. You're saved and you're safe. Why do you fret? 
Listen, we lack, the, we lack understanding of the intent of the gospel in our daily lives. Listen, becoming a Christian, getting saved is not a one-time deal you do down here. Let me say that again slowly. Getting saved is not a one-time decision made right here, and that's the end of the story. Salvation is a daily decision. It's not a nifty Sunday name tag. Listen, salvation is a place. It is a literal place that you've been hidden into. It is a position of promise, praise God. We no longer have to fear because we're in him. He's enough. Listen, the gospel is our framework of faith. It has a specific purpose and a point in your life. Hebrews 11 tells us this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so in order to have faith in something, there has to be evidence to anchor that faith too. So for example, I've ne- some of you I have never met before. How many of you by a raise of hands have been to the NOIC before and have seen Josh's big mouth yelling at you? Please don't raise your hand so hardly. Some of you are like, yes, I have. Some of us have a history. We've been together before. And so when I tell you this week, I'm going to use the mega horn and blow it at you and go, why do you believe me? There's a track record that tells you so. There's something that has happened in the past that tells you what's going to happen in the future. Now, some of you I've never met before. And so I can tell you that every morning I'm going to say, hello, ding, long, ding. And you could say, should I believe him? Should I not? You have nothing to base what I've told you upon. Some of you are trying to figure out what that word was. I have no idea. It just kind of came out. Listen, faith is meant to be something that has happened before that shows us what will happen going forward. That's what faith is. He told us that if we will get inside the bunker, you'll not only be saved, but you'll be safe. He promised to be enough for your life. Listen, look up here, right here, right now. Listen, do you believe him? Listen, he said he's enough. He said you will be safe if you are in here. He said right here, if you will remain inside the refuge, if you will remain inside the fortress, nothing can harm you. Nothing can get past me to get to you. Do you believe him? No. Do you believe him? Not when it's easy to sit in church camp and say amen with your daily life, do you believe you are safe in here? Are you living as if you are safe in here? Are you unmovable because you are in Christ, the impenetrable fortress? Do you believe him? Listen, he is enough. He's enough. Do you believe him? Do you believe that nothing can separate you from his love? Do you believe that he is deeply concerned personally for you? Do you believe that he said not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry for himself? Do you believe him when he said that he knows every hair on your head? Do you believe him when he said that everything will work together for good? Do you believe him? Do you believe him when he said he's enough? He has the power. He has the ability. He has what it takes to keep you safe. Because listen, Josh isn't the one telling you the I am saves. He's telling you he is enough. 
Do you believe him? We have been saved, and because we have been saved, we know. We have a track record. We have something to place faith in. Because we've been saved, we know that we can be safe. And Paul desired, as Paul writes this, Paul desired that we would weaponize this, weaponize this as believers. He wanted us to have a munition to our message. Did you know that Jesus gave you a weapon? Some of you are way too excited about that. Some of you are terrified to be sitting next to someone who knows Jesus. He gave you a weapon. He said, here, I give you the gospel. Wield it. Swing it. Smack it. Smash it. Whatever else you can do with a weapon. I'm totally not the guy to ask about that. But I know the gospel. Listen, wield the gospel. It's the munition. It's your defense. Weaponize and wield the gospel. Use God's ability and power to save us. Because as much as safety from the fortress is a fact, listen, the next problem, the next pandemic, the next difficulty is also going to be a fact. There will be pebbles coming. And when trials and troubles start to rock your world, you are supposed to have something in your life to defend yourself with. Look again, Romans 1.16. Look at the word power. This word that Paul writes here for power is actually the word dynamis. It's actually where we get the word dynamite from. Dynamis means this. It's the idea of a power within that results in big results. It's the power of an entire military force, the whole army and its strength. It is unrestrained power. And guess what Paul writes? The gospel gives you dynamis. The gospel gives you unrestrained power to be saved. Listen, this blows my mind. Do you know how many times the word dynamis, this word, is in the Bible? 383 times. More than a day's worth. Listen to this. Listen to this. 383 times. This is 355 times more than the word cross. This is 166 times more than the word love in the Bible. More than love, more than the cross, Jesus wants you to know this. You have the power to be safe. 383 times. You are safe. 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 Yeah, I'm not going to say it 383 times. Some of you are like, oh my goodness. 383 times. Listen, Dynamis, we are safe. So how exactly can I defend myself? Listen, if COVID 2.0 comes back with a raging vengeance, how can I protect myself? When I get tragic news from the doctor, how can I be safe when my friend moves away, when my family betrays me? Instead of fearing, how should I respond as a believer? Listen, there are two ways. There are two ways, Paul writes of. There are two ways from within the fortress that you can defend yourself. This is the first one, maybe my favorite. A gospel growl. How many of you know whenever you go to the zoo and you hear the lion growl, it's not something you miss. It's not something you ignore. It grasps your attention. Gospel growl. Paul writes that he's not ashamed. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He is bold. He is boastful. In fact, he's arrogant about what Jesus can do in keeping us safe. 
And we were never meant to be timid in our trust. We were never meant to be cowardly Christians. We were never meant to be fearful in our faith. Because of God's power to save us, because of his power to save us, we are called to be ferocious. Because we have a gospel growl. Listen, do you get how many times Jesus rebuked fear? Listen, more than adultery, more than murder, more than lying, more than swearing, more than any other sin you want to put in there. Listen, he rebuked worry, fear, more than anything else. If you wanted to get a big slap on the wrist from Jesus Christ while on earth, what you had to do was be afraid. And he would rebuke you. He would say, oh, no, 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 no. I am Jesus. I am saves right here with you. And so he gives us, so that we will not be afraid, he gives us this gospel growl. He gives us this bravado in our belief. Listen, this is my question. I'm looking at some really great young people right now. Do you know what the Lord wants you to become? He wants you to have a ferocious faith. He wants you to believe in him so much that you refuse to fear. No matter what circumstances say, no matter what the government says or does, no matter what your friends say or do, no matter what, you refuse to be afraid. Where are the Christians who have a gospel growl? Who, where are the Christians who have a relentless lore? Where are the Christians who declare, my God will save me? No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, No matter how dark the night, no matter how hard the hurdles, no matter how impossible the problem, I have entered into the fortress, and there I am saved, and I am safe. I have a Savior who saves. I will not give in. I will not give up. I doggedly deny what the world says around me. I rigidly reject attacks because I know the gospel, and I know my God's power to save, and I know that I'm safe in him. Where is our gospel growl that barks out and releases this roar of safety in him? Listen, when, when, when the Red Sea rises, when the giants scoff, when the storms surge, we need a gospel growl, a bold, courageous proclamation, a promise. We need an audacity that believes he is able and he is enough. Listen. This is what I want you to do the next time you face a pebble, the next time you face COVID, the next time you face your friends, your family, whatever fears you have, this is what I want you to do the next time you face it. Get a growl within you, and I want you to scream back, no, I will not fear. I will not be afraid. No matter what the stones may be that are thrown my way, I will not fear. Because I have the gospel, he will keep me safe. No matter what stone throws, no matter what the wind and the waves try to convince me of, I will not fear, I will not worry, because I know the power of my God to save. I know the gospel, and it says that I'm not only saved, but I am safe in him. Get you a gospel growl. Let me hear you growl one more time. When you're afraid... Listen, when you're afraid, growl out the gospel. Growl out the gospel. What is the gospel? It is my God's ability to keep me safe. When you are afraid, growl the gospel. Growl, my God will save, and he will keep me safe. But then secondly, we find that from within the fortress, we are given a gospel garrison. The gospel is meant to be a place of standing in our lives. 
It's meant to be a place where we dig in deep with our feet. It's meant to give us a solid stance, a firm faith. And as Paul puts it in Ephesians 6, the gospel is in armor. It's something we strap on to our lives. Look with me. Ephesians 6, 11 through 15. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. They might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your, alert, your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so we find that Paul, four times in five verses, says, stand, 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 and stand some more. And then we get to the armor about the feet. And Paul says to stand in the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers, you're going to see these here in a little bit. Roman soldiers had what was called collegues. I'm probably not saying that correctly. These collegues were made of leather. They were a sandal that had spikes. Some of them literally had, not, had nails sticking out of the bottom. And when they wore these, they would dig into the ground. If you step with those on, you are stuck to the ground. You're secured to what's underneath you. And then on top of the sandals, they had what was called greaves, which would wrap around their foot and up their leg, strapping them to the ground. And Paul says to shod. Literally the word shod, how many of you, how many of you shod your shoes on this morning? Not me. <laughs> Shod. We don't use that word, right? Shod. Do you know what the word shod means? Well, let me tell you. It means to bind from with under. Bind from with under. Paul says, bind under yourself what you're standing on. So that no matter what pushes you, no matter what shoves you, no matter what comes in your direction, you literally can't be moved because you're bound, you're strapped to where your feet are planted. Well, Paul, what exactly should I bind to? What exactly should I stand upon? What exactly should I mount my life to? Well, he says, the gospel. The gospel. Strap your life. Mount your life. Stand firm in the gospel. Bind under your feet the gospel of peace. Bind your life to God's ability to save. Plant your feet here as the place that you stand and live and refuse to budge from. When the enemies try to push or pull you, when you're tossed about, your feet are firm in your faith. Paul's trying to tell us if we will bind our feet to the gospel, if we will bind our feet here, you'll have a solid stance. You'll have a, a solid ground to stand upon, and it will result in peace in your life. It'll result in a peace that plays hopscotch and doomsday prep. It'll result in a peace that sleeps through sinking storms, a peace that sings praises in prison cells, saved and safe in the fortress, resting safely in my God's ability to keep me safe. Listen, this is the unmovable message. I am saved and I am safe. Thank you so much for joining the NOIC for our special series, Unmovable, We Will Not Be Shaken. We pray that this message has been a blessing and a challenge to your Christian walk with Christ. We invite you to share today's episode that we may encourage one another in the Lord. 
You can also find more Christian content and special series by visiting our website at www.thenyc.com or check out our social media pages. Until next time, continue on in Christ.